Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Blackwood Show. The Black, the Black, the Black, Black. Welcome to the Blackwood Show. I am Taylor Blackwood, and this is my show. Merry Christmas, you guys. I'm do- recording this on Christmas Eve, and as such, I thought it would be appropriate for us to do a Talking Toys. Makes sense, right? So today's Talking Toys is going to be on the Porsche Taycan, and specifically the Porsche Taycan 4S, because that's one that I bought oh about four months ago. And this has been an awesome car. It's my first car I've ever had that's all electric, and I haven't talked much about my car habit on this show, but I'm a huge car nut. Since I was a kid, I used to race cars with my dad when I was a kid. He would bring me out to tracks in the South. Like we went to, uh, I've been to everything from like road Atlanta, but when we were kids, we used to do the one in Memphis and this track in Birmingham that was so sweet. And my dad always had some, uh, some race cars around Corvettes, couple Porsches, like, a um, what do we have for a second? We had the well, he had some 911s for sure. I don't know if I ever took one of his 911s to the track outside of a GT3 once. But then uh, we also had the Cayman, which is like the hardtop boxster. But anyways, I grew up going to the track and loving Porsche. Porsche is some of the most reliable cars for the track ever. They're great looking cars. They don't quite get the same flash factor at valets that like, you know, some of the exotics do like Ferraris and Lamborghini and sometimes even McLaren. But they're like some of the best engineered cars on planet Earth. They're just rock solid, reliable you can literally drive a car like we used to drive a Porsche from Memphis to Birmingham, Alabama, track it all day with two men back to back sessions, put some gas in it, drive it all the way back to Memphis that night and it'd be bulletproof. You wouldn't have to replace anything. You wouldn't have any overheating problems, anything like that. So these cars are just unbelievably engineered. And I've been a huge fan of the brand since I was a little kid. Uh, some of the best engineering on planet Earth, everything in them just works. Everything is bulletproof, you know, tight, no squeaks, no rattles, no whistles. It, they're just awesome cars. And the engineering is next level. They're definitely faster than their numbers. You know, they're kind of notorious for sandbagging when they do tests, you know, for zero to 60. And when they do track times and things like this, they don't do any like setup for the car that's super special, like Ferrari's rumor to. So they're faster than their numbers and they're just bulletproof. So great for weekend warriors to take to the track. Obviously they're very competitive when it comes to racing. And then they've really branched out well into daily drivers. Their first foray into this was the SUV with the Cayenne back in the day. And that was something that I remember my, uh, me and my dad and our friends were all pretty critical of. A lot of them tried them, like bought Cayennes and they're sweet cars, but at first we're kind of critical because that was the first of the major race cars to kind of branch into having like a, like an SUV and uh, the Panamera was like their first uh, car they invented that's a four door. And we're like, what the heck, man? Porsche is a racing car. You know, it's supposed to be like the 911 and the Boxster and these race cars and stuff. What are they doing making, you know, uh, soccer mom cars or whatever? And it's just kind of losing their heritage, we thought. But those cars just were unbelievably engineered. They were so much better than other daily drivers. The Cayenne really was the best SUV of, of its day. And the Panamera is uh, a great uh, sedan. And again, that same engineering went into comfort and they're still very fast and, and whatnot and responsive. But the Panamera to me was always a little bit ugly. It had kind of like a turtley back that was brought over from Europe. You know, they're more warmed up to hatchbacks in Europe than we are here in the United States. And they, when they brought over that Panamera, it just never really clicked with me. It wasn't something I was super passionate about. I never really aspired to one, but they're beautiful, you know, objectively beautifully cars and the interiors are gorgeous and the quality of it's all there. It just didn't quite resonate with me. But then along came the Taycan uh, and I had tried some of their cars. I've had a 911, I've had a GT3, I've had a GT3 RS. 
a Carrera S. So I've, I've tried some of the Porsches I've owned as a, as a young adult, but this is my first time to get one of their sedans or like a, uh, something for a daily driver. And more importantly, it was my first ever electric car. But when Porsche announced they were going to do their first all electric, I was all in. So to bring it home, like I was mentioning, I was really a gearhead. I was slow to move away from like stick shifts into paddle shifters. I really loved the roar of an engine. I've had a passion for that since I was a kid. I mean, a car drives down the road by my house or something. I can tell you if it's a ripping sports car with some degree of accuracy, is it a Porsche? Is it a Ferrari? Is it a Lamborghini? Uh, sometimes I can even get the models right. You know, when you look at and see over the fence or something, you can see that you got it. So I, I can tell from cars starting up and things what the engines are. And I love engine notes. You know, I used to work on my Mustang as a kid. I have a huge passion for it. And I think it's just one of the coolest parts of sports cars. So if you had told me five years ago that I was going to be buying an electric car, I would have looked at you like you were crazy. I, I would have thought I'd be uh, a never adopter or a forced adopter if they totally did away with uh, gas cars. And I thought, you know, this would forever be uh, a passion of mine to have an engine in all my cars and that I just would never give it up. But I got to tell you guys, now that I've made the switch, I don't think I can ever go back from my daily driver. I'm really eating those old opinions where I thought gas was the way to go. Electric really is the future. And I would argue even the present. And if you are just looking for a great daily driver, a sedan, buy an electric car is my preach. Cause I have had an unbelievable experience with this Porsche Taycan and I've really loved every second of it. So without further ado, let's jump into talking a little bit, a little bit about the Taycan, starting with, you know, it's uh, developments and then moving into what's different about it. And I want to give a little overview about electric cars and what's special about them and what's different for those of you who don't have an electric car or haven't driven in one uh, so that you can kind of understand uh, why you might make the switch and what's better about some of these cars rather than, you know, traditionally aspirated and, and uh, gas powered cars. So let's begin with that. Electric cars uh, are just that. They're all electric. They don't have any gasoline motors. There are hybrids that have both electric and gasoline motor cars. But what I'm talking about today are fully electric cars. So there's no gas tank. There's no way to put gas into it. You either charge the battery and it runs on that or you're out of battery charge and the equivalent of being out of gas. So a fully electric car has a lot of advantages over naturally aspirated cars, especially for daily drivers. Uh, a couple things that come to mind, it has instantaneous power. So instead of it being like a, a graded power band and a traditional engine creates more power at higher RPM, therefore taking you know, off a launch, it's creating the least amount of power. Then as it revs up, it makes more power. And again and again, it's kind of like a, almost like a, a, a power curve to it that ramps up peaks and then kind of goes down before a gear shift with electric cars. It's like a, like a light switch. It's all on or all off. So the, the suck you back in your seat effect of it is unbelievable. And what I've noticed about this Taycan is that you get the same sensation going from zero to 30 miles per hour as you do from 70 to hundred miles per hour. So if you're looking to pass someone on the highway and you kick it real hard, you're going to get that same suck in your seat. Whoa, you know, crazy acceleration. And it's going to really almost take the breath and take your breath away when you do like launch control or something in this car. And that has that ability to make that power at any speed is what's so crazy about this. Electric cars don't need to make noise. You know, they can be totally silent. The Porsche Taycan has an option, which I did get. That's an electric noise simulator, and it makes it sound almost like a George Jetson video. Uh, I haven't really been able to find definitive um, details on this because my impression is that electric cars could be totally silent, which for most people is a huge advantage. Like you think about even like these luxury cars like Rolls Royce. I'm stunned they haven't gone full electric like the Ghost or the Phantom because the point of that car is luxury. The point's to whisk around and for it to be totally silent. Uh, 
And the fact that they haven't done it is crazy because electric cars can be totally silent. And this is way quieter than any luxury car I've driven. You know, I've had, uh, I've ridden in a ton of sedans, luxury sedans, everything from the S class to the seven series. To the th- I owned a three series for a while to the, Oh geez, what, you know, like uh, Rolls Royces and stuff like this, I've, uh, the Bentleys and stuff like that, you know, like the flying spur, those cars, they try to make them silent, but they have a motor obviously, and they make some noise. These electric cars are, can be totally silent and they actually have no resistance in the powertrain so that when you're going, they can just coast indefinitely. So unless you have this power recuperation, it's almost like a drag on the engine that recharges the batteries you drive, then the car can just coast and coast and coast. So you go down like a slight decline, like a hill almost, that car will actually like pick up speed rather than losing it as you drive. So you don't even have your foot on the accelerator. So there's some key differences in the powertrain. Again, that's instantaneous power, that's silence, that's uh, uh, ongoing uh, momentum, that it doesn't have any drag on the car. So you don't have to constantly feather the accelerator. And they're just really great for daily drivers for those reasons. If you put those things together, you know, you can pass people easily on the highway. It's silent for when you're making phone calls or there's just not annoying road noise. And, you know, if, if you get like some Bose noise canceling headphones or something, you see the value of a car being quieter, right? Because it's, it's just nice and pleasant on you. It doesn't, you know, rack your nerves as much as like a droning car exhaust. No, especially if you try to take like some race car on the, on the highway or something, it's going to be super loud, right? These cars don't have that. And then they really coast easily. So you don't have to worry about feathering the throttle and stuff like that, like I said. And, you know, for some reason, all these companies are putting a lot of tech forward into electric cars. So they have great connectivity when it comes to, you know, dialing up like this has an infotainment center that has all of my different, like my gate code of my neighborhood, my gate to my house, my different garages are all programmed into the heads up display. So rather than having clickers or even like programmable buttons, it's actually in the the infotainment system, like where your radio is, you click around and fire up some of that stuff. I mean, it has unbelievable cameras, lane assist, the electric cars made by Tesla all have autonomous driving capability. And as soon as it's legal, they can just do a software patch and your car can drive itself. And so the, the electronics are next level on these cars. Although some of those things I just mentioned could be, you know, applied to regular gasoline cars. For some reason, companies tend to take these electric cars and load them more full of options. They tend to make them more sleek and futuristic outside and in. And that's certainly been my experience with the Taycan. The connectivity is just next level. It has extra screens. It has uh, cool things like the garage door opener thing that I just mentioned. It has all sorts of options in there for programming. Uh, another weird thing is it doesn't have AC slats. So instead of like moving them around to adjust where the airflow goes, you actually go to the screen and you can like move it around with like a, a, a vectored button. So you can pick which AC slat you want to move and then you can drag your finger on a screen and have it point different directions rather than just reaching up and grabbing like an AC slat, like it is in a traditional car. So it has cool and weird options like that. But the Taycan has a beautiful design, you know, that uh, I mentioned earlier, I don't love the Panamera. And to me, the Taycan is a cleaned up and sharp version of the Panamera that I do love. And especially in the back, they kind of got away from that whale tail, that turtley look that the Panamera has. I made it real sleek and futuristic, almost looks like a 911 stretched out, whereas the Panamera always kind of had the almost like a hatchback type of look to it. So I love the Taycan's design. The headlights are really, really cool. They're like a almost like a, a hook, you know, like they have like a teardrop coming down from a, a, a modern eye and they have really cool options. You can get the uh, I have like special headlights on there that, you know, sense a car is coming and turn down the brights and they have gorgeous lighting systems in their cars. Porsche does in general is an option and the ones they did on the Taycan are gorgeous. And the whole car just kind of looks more futuristic. It has glowing bars on the back. It has interior lighting that's really special and can be colored and stuff like that. It has a lot of cool options that make you feel like you're George Jetson. You know, it feels like you're driving the car of the future. 
So I love the design they came up with. I got, I get a lot of compliments, compliments on it, especially the spec that I did. So there's three different models of the Taycan and I have the most basic one, the Carrera 4S, but I went very heavy on options. So your three options are Carrera, uh, or sorry, Taycan 4S and then Taycan Turbo and then Taycan Turbo S. Now, for those of you who are in the know, a turbo is something that is a performance enhancer that's put on naturally aspirated cars. So why would they put the name turbo on an electric car? The reason is that Porsche says they're going to keep the nomenclature of what people are familiar with. And people understand that there's the 911, the 911, you know, Carrera, the Carrera 4S is like the performance version. Then you get into turbo and turbo S and those are the more expensive, higher performance and, and also like higher optioned cars, you know, and especially like the turbo, the 911 turbo S is like the top of the line that has every option. The seats are better, you know, has all sorts of options inside the car that make it prettier. Um, all sorts of infotainment, just kind of all the bells and whistles is pretty much a decked out car. There's way less options you can get on it. Um, although you can take one of those other base models, kind of option it up to be similar to a Turbo S without the faster motor, you know, the, the Turbo S kind of comes with all those things. So they did the same thing with the Taycan. So the Taycan that I have, again, is the most basic, but I put a bunch of options on it that are similar to the Turbo. So it has like a similar um, ground effects, which is like the, the design of the outside of the car, like the side skirts and the front fascia and the, the rear and front bumpers. Those things are all similar to the Turbo, uh, which is a little sharper, a little lower to the ground, things like this. I got upgraded rims. I got a bunch of options inside and out. I got the the moon roof that is like glass all the way back down the entire thing. And it's just a really cool car that way, you know, that it has so many options like that. Uh, and you can make the 4S, although it has a smaller motor, it's not quite as fast as the turbo and the turbo S, maybe a little bit less range and things like this, if I remember right. It, uh, it, it can still look really sharp and look very similar. So anyways, I have the most basic model and you look at the stats on it, it's still unbelievably fast. So this is a, as a sedan and it's zero to 60 stated on Porsche website, which again, they sandbag is 3.8 seconds. That's crazy. 522 horsepower uh, with overboost power launch control. So I have all the options that enable that stuff. Whereas if you compare that to the turbo, it has a three second zero to 60. So 3.8 versus three seconds and it has 670 horsepower. So a big step up in power and it's much faster. And then the Turbo S is even faster. This is the flagship model. It's a 2.6 second zero to 60, 750 horsepower. Crazy, man. So that that's a lot faster. So again, the zero to 60s go from 3.8 seconds on my car, the Carrera 4S, to three seconds on the Taycan Turbo, to 2.6 seconds on the Taycan Turbo S. 2.6 seconds zero to 60 on a sedan. That is nuts. That is mind-meltingly fast. That's faster than a Ferrari F8 Tributo or faster than GT3 RSs and things like that. It's faster than track cars. And it's a sedan. Again, that's because those electric cars make uh, torque instantaneously all at once and they're unbelievably fast off the line. So that's like, it's actually like, you know, I got into a Tesla Model S once with a friend who borrowed one for the night. He went and did the ludicrous mode launch mode and I got physically nauseous. Like I had motion sickness for an hour afterwards from one launch as a passenger. And, you know, side note, I don't make a great passenger. I do get sick easily in, you know, flight simulators. And if I'm in a passenger in a race car on the track, stuff like that, I get sick easy. But nonetheless, those cars are signally fast. So is this take on Turbo S. But for me, the 4S is plenty fast. You know, I have a race car separate from this. I have a, 
uh, Mercedes G class was like a, uh, a big old, you know, running SUVs, kind of like the equivalent of truck for some people. So I have the upright daily cruiser. It's kind of like a, a gas hog and has some attitude. And then I have the race car for going to the track and kind of flashing if I want a sporty day. So this car slots in perfectly for me to get the less expensive one, save some money, and then also have plenty of power. I mean, this car is too fast for me anyways, as a daily driver and as a sedan. Uh, you know, my girlfriend gets mad if I go around kicking it too much in this car, for example. So it's plenty fast already. And the Turbo S just didn't make sense to me for that reason. As I mentioned, you save a lot of money. The Taycan 4S starts at $103,800, although you're probably not going to get one for less than like $120,000 with reasonable options. $115,000 would be pretty stripped down. But nonetheless, the MSRP is $103,800. Uh, the Taycan Turbo is $150,900. And the Taycan Turbo S is $185,000. Now, it's been some months since I bought it, so I kind of forget off the top of my head. But I think I, my car is like $100,000. 48,000, something like that. So I went really heavy on options. Uh, and I kind of like doing that. It's not good for resale value. You kind of just lose that money in the value of these cars to an extent, you know, that if the average take on 4S is 125,000, you go up to 144 like me, then you just kind of lost 20 grand more or less. Helps you sell the car faster, but you won't get more value in a used car for those options. But in this case, I think I thought it made more sense for me than like buying a Taycan Turbo. The same logic applies to Taycan Turbo where the MSRP is $151,000, call it, but really you're not gonna get one for less than 165, 170. And the Taycan Turbo S is 185, it's probably gonna be a 190,000 car because it has most of the options that you're gonna pick already on it. So I went really heavy options, but I like to do that with cars now. I've owned a couple of cars that were really stripped down on options and I kind of hated it in hindsight. I'd rather buy a cheaper car and have more options than a more expensive car and have less options. If that is, that's my advice to you guys. So like I had a, a three series, like the very cheapest model entry, entry level, you know, didn't have Bluetooth even stuff like that. It was probably like a 2012 and I bought it new. I was really proud of it. It was the first car I bought myself after college and it was, you know, a cool looking car and a great brand and stuff. But like out here in Arizona, you know, for example, the seats were pleather, like fake leather, and it would just get so hot, like burn you hot. Like literally if you're wearing shorts in the dead of summer here, these black seats would track so much heat. It would actually like burn the back of your leg and you'd have to move it. So, you know, I like to get a cheaper car and option it up. And that's kind of my advice to people now. But nonetheless, that's what I did with getting the 4S. So there's faster options even that are more competitive, like Tesla's numbers. But these cars are more expensive than Tesla's, you know, like for those of you who have more of a budget or don't care about having as expensive of a car in your budget and maybe you're saving or have other goals. I think the Model 3 is a great way to go. And I would really encourage that if you're shopping around in that $40,000, $50,000 range, look at that car against any other sedan you might get because it is an unbelievable experience having an electric car. So what are some things I like about electric cars in general? Some of this stuff's going to sound kind of corny, but it's so true when you start to live it. One thing I didn't realize was how much I despised going to the gas station. You know, now my other two cars, when I bring them to get gas or something, I, I just, I hate it. And I know that sounds so stuck up and like, um, pedantic or almost like dramatic, right? Like kind of a, what's the word I'm looking for? Like melodramatic or like, like, um, I don't know, high maintenance, but like to me, going to a gas station is such an unpleasant experience. You know, that you go up, you touch some nasty handle that hasn't been cleaned and God knows how long. And, and, you know, especially during coronavirus, you don't know what's on that handle, right? So you go grab this handle. I always get like the little paper thing that people use for wiping down their windshields and grab the handle with that. Uh, you type in on the little screen, it either works or it doesn't. Oftentimes the whole thing's kind of broken. I don't know if you guys have that experience when you go to gas stations, but I try to go to the nicer, newer gas stations, even though it can be a little more expensive because you know, the pump's going to work, you know, the screen's going to work. It's not going to be worn out, whatever. 
And then also it feels a little safer because gas stations, man, at least out here in Scottsdale, they're like one of the more dangerous places you go. There's always like, you know, CD characters hanging out. You get approached a lot when you're there, even especially if you're in like a nice car or something. And just, it's kind of like a, a negative experience that way as well. My girlfriend, you know, gets approached all the time at these gas stations, like a lot of pretty girls do. And it's just, it, 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 I don't think it's the safest thing and it's just annoying and stuff like that. And, you know, for the girls, it's guys coming up to hit on them for the guys. It's maybe someone coming up soliciting money, whatever. It's just, you know, it doesn't feel like the safest place I go in a week. Uh, so the gas station is nasty, not the best experience. And then, you know, it's just a waste of time that I'm sitting there just standing out. Oftentimes here in Phoenix is 115 degrees in the summer. So you're standing out there sweating, pumping gas in your car. And it always happens at the worst time. Oh my goodness. I have this knack for whenever I have an important meeting, whenever I need to wake up early and drive to the airport or something that's always when my car is out of gas. So I do not miss going to gas stations at all. You know that now when I drive those other two cars, I get annoyed that I have to go. And I know that sounds so simple, but it is so nice to not have to go to gas stations. And there's all these people on the forums going, yeah, but you know, I drive 350 miles a day from my job and I can't have an electric car. They're, they're so dumb because of that. It's like, you know what? Okay. So electric car is not for you, but it works great for the rest of us. I mean, I drive like 80 miles in a typical day or something, you know, it, it, it's rare that I go on a road trip. And if I do, then you could either rent a car or borrow a friend's car or whatever. Right. So there's solutions around these things. And not the least of which is that with this new supercharger technology, like the Porsche Taycan has, it charges unbelievably fast. I want to say you get 85% of the charge and something dumb, like 10 or 15 minutes on their superchargers. And the technology is really, really cool. You can get into the car and the Porsche engineers just knocked it out with this, but you can get in the car, you can tell it, Hey, I'm going you know, through an app. I'm going to this supercharger right now. It gives you GPS directions there reserves your spot. And then it also starts to change the way the car drives. So it might not let you accelerate full bore or what, or might kind of speed it up and heat it up so that the battery's in an optimal temperature for taking the charge when you get there and plug it in. How cool is that? Right? So it's everything about this car is optimized and they make it easy if you do get stuck out and need to charge it on the road or something. But honestly, I've never charged my car out of necessity outside of my house. You know, I park at the electric chargers because sometimes their reserve spots right up front at the they call it the Scottsdale quarter, but like a nice mall here, or, you know, it's, it's at a buck and riders, a great restaurant out here by the LGO group. And, and they have a free charge in the parking lot. That's cool. We'll get some free charge instead of having to pay for it at my house. But, uh, that's the only times I've ever plugged in the car and it's never been out of necessity. I mean, I've never run this car within, you know, half of it being out of battery unless it was on purpose, right? Not charging it for days and days. But if you plug it in every night, you're not going to run into problems. I found that my take in with my driving tends to get around 320 miles on a full charge, which is plenty for most people, certainly plenty for me. And I've had a great experience with it that way. Uh, charging at home, really simple. You know, they, they had the promise of making it really, really simple that you could buy this charger and it would come with an install from Amazon. If I'm not mistaken, they had partnered with someone like that, but then all that got shut down like most cool things this year due to coronavirus. So they stopped offering that install in your house. So you get left with, uh, um, finding your own electrician, but that wasn't that hard. You know, I found an electrician, you, you have to pull, I think it's 220 volt, uh, uh, run. So I just did it on one of my garage walls that happened to be on the opposite side from my circuit breaker. Super, super simple. They pulled it beautiful charging station. It's like this big oval thing that the, the circumference of it is where the whole uh, wire for charging your car wraps around. It has its own like holder that mimics the insert lock into the car for the, the head of the charger to, to lock into. And it's super cool looking. It looks great on your wall has a touch screen and all that. 
And you can program neat things. So first of all, you call your electric company and say, I have an electric car. They put you on a discount program for charging it. So I've actually had lower electric bills in, in aggregate since I bought this car, which is crazy. So you save money compared to gas. You get a tax credit from the government as well that helps with everything. And then um, you can program the car to charge during off-peak hours. So I have a program in the car where I touch it and then I can plug it in when I get home at five o'clock, six o'clock in the afternoon or whatever, which is normally peak hours when electricity is most expensive. And the car will sit there dormant waiting to charge until 11 o'clock at night, midnight, whatever. And then it'll turn on and charge itself in six hours and it'll be ready to go again at seven in the morning. You need to go to work or whatever. So you can program the car to charge during off peak if you want. And of course you can override that if you're in a hurry and need it charged. But it charges really quick at home. You know, it's a matter of hours for it to go all the way up. If you find a supercharger out in public, it, again, it charges most of the way in like 10 to 15 minutes. So it's a really, really um, uh, great car that way. Um, let's see. I got the Wikipedia pulled up for it here. So I wanted to read a couple of things. It was originally called the Mission E, which I thought was going to be a much cooler name for it. And actually had a similar but even better design when it was announced in 2015 at the Frankfurt Motor Show. And I was really excited when it got announced. I reached out to my Porsche guy and said, I want this car. I want one of the early ones then. And it didn't get delivered until 2020 this year. This says they delivered 4,480 take-hands in the first half of 2020, which is insane because that was during coronavirus and everything. So these cars are flying off of the shelf. Take-in, I think it was take-on or something like that. Taken. Anyways, I'm, I'm pronouncing it wrong. I call it a take-in. It roughly translates from Turkish as the lively young horse in reference to the steed of uh, the Stuttgart coat of arms on the Porsche crest. That's like their symbol. So it's supposed to look like the, the steed, I guess. And then again, they, they called their turbo and turbo S despite the absence of a turbocharger following the traditional set by older high performance Porsche drivers. I hate that they did that. I think it's so corny. It's like they should have found out like, you know, what's a, is it like a quantum or something like that? You know, something like that. They should have called, uh, you know, something that designates how much power the electric motor is called. They should have come up with a new designation for the electric. I think it's so corny that they did turbo and turbo S for a car that doesn't have a turbo. So I hate they did that. And I hate they changed the name from uh, mission E to take on. I think they should have called it the mission E and the better version should have been like the quant and the quant S or whatever these little, you know, they should have come up with something cool from the actual driveline and it being an electric car even like do like uh, the volt s or something like that right or the watt s you know something like that that signifies that it's electric rather than fake a head fake turbo i think that's kind of lame but anyways they uh did a really good job with this stuff let's see it talks about the design a bit freestanding 16.8 inch configurable driver driver's display that's really cool it's all uh everything's touchscreen in the car and then it has like this little pad for navigating the whole thing like quick gesture and stuff like that uh so it's really cool with all the options on that front and again, it's like you walk up to the car, the, the handle pops out. It's normally flush with the car. So it pops out electronically and then you pull it to open. So it's not, you know, like a traditional door handle and you get in there and close the door. If you have the key in your pocket and the car automatically turns on as soon as you touch the gear selector from reverse to drive, whatever. It's really, really cool that way. Uh, another thing I like in this car, it's kind of small, but I thought it was really cool is they have these two, like, um, almost like, um, diamond looking buttons in the car and you can just program those to be anything you want. And I think some other car brands are starting to do this, but like I have one turns on that electric sound that I mentioned earlier. And another one just puts me to like the display for my gate and my garage and stuff like that. So I don't have to go navigating through screens to get that, but you can make them do anything you want. You can make them go, go to the AC. You can make them turn the temperature down or up every time you touch it. You could make it literally do any function the car does. I think that's a really cool idea that person that personability. And for some reason, again, you know, these manufacturers are putting extra emphasis on doing options for these cars and the electric cars that make them more like forward thinking. I don't know why they did that. 
anyways, it's just gorgeous. I love the car. I think the design's really, really knocked out. You know, if you uh, Google it, then you'll see it has, a, you should Google the Mission E too, because the Mission E actually looked even like slicker. It was like a better looking version of it. But uh, I really like both. And I think they just did a great job of the design. I get a lot of compliments on it. And overall, I really love the car. I would highly recommend, again, that you guys look into electric. I think that if you have a sports car, I get why you might want it to be gas powered. If you have a truck, it has some attitude for it to be you know, a snarling gas powered car. But outside of that, if you're just a daily driver, you know, when I look around town and I see all these Audis and um, you know what, BMWs or Hyundais and stuff like that, there's no reason those cars shouldn't be electric. Tesla is just eating their lunch and way ahead of them and Porsche is catching up, which by the way, Porsche is owned by Volkswagen Group, so get ready to see a lot of these. You know, like they had an Audi, uh, for example. They had that Qtron or something like that. Uh, but anyway, so there's gonna be a lot of shared tech, and you're gonna see Volkswagen Group start to roll out a lot of electric cars to compete in the more like uh, everyday driver type of category. But um, these cars are unbelievable, man, and I, I really am a huge advocate for electric cars for everyone now. And not the least, which is it does have a positive environmental impact. You know, I, I would not say here's another interesting thing. I'll comment on that for a second. I would not say that I was like the greenest person before this, but having electric cars kind of softened me to the green thing, right? Like it's kind of like that South Park episode with uh, Randy buying a Prius or not Randy, uh, the one of the dads, I forget his name, but he buys a Prius and all of a sudden he gets super stuck up and starts smelling his own farts and loves himself because he's saving the environment and talking down to everyone else. But it does kind of get you a little bit more like green sensible. If you do something like this, it's kind of like my girlfriend got me recycling and now I kind of think about waste a little bit differently or can I use a cup instead of a plastic bottle and stuff like that. It's like when you start to take these little steps towards doing a uh, you know, uh, green things, then it almost like accelerates into other parts of your life as well. And that's kind of been my experience with it. It's made me more green in general. That's why I think that Tesla really missed an opportunity. I think he could have gone even more viral than he has, which is crazy to say, because that stock's done unbelievably. It's up like 600% this year, something insane like that. And it's made millionaires out of people invested in it, you know, even with relatively modest amounts of money over the years. But anyway, so they, uh, they've just done unbelievable. But I think he would have been even further if instead of doing the X, right? The Model X is the SUV. If he had done a truck that looked like the Nikola Badger, that looked like a, a Ford Raptor or something that's more recognizable to people, because for everything you like about a truck ripping and roaring, making noise, and I'm from the South where everyone has jacked up trucks that are loud diesel and, and loud pipes on them and everything, for everything you love about that, if you could get past that, uh, the trucks perform better, especially for workhorse trucks. Like if you're a construction worker or you need to tow things like towing a boat even, or, you know, ATVs, whatever, then an electric truck works better. Cause again, it makes all of its power instantaneously. So towing and stuff like that and launching a big heavy vehicle is so much better with electric power than with traditionally motor vehicle, you know, traditionally powered motor vehicles, gas powered cars. So for that reason, if he had launched a uh, truck instead of that SUV, I think he might have had a shot at converting the South. And that could have changed like politics. It could have changed their sensibilities for this green movement, I think. And I know all that sounds corny and like maybe projecting a little bit, but it's been my experience that's made me more like, not like I'm like a hardcore, you know, green, new green deal type of person or whatever, but I'm still like, I, I am more warmed up to the idea of, uh, you know, dealing with global warming and things like that than I used to be because I have this experience in kind of contributing this way with an electric car or something. And I think it's just the future of it. And I think that if he had done a truck instead of doing that model X, he might've tapped into that market. And, you know, if, if he could have gotten it to go viral and kind of steal some F-150 customers, then he could have really changed the way those people act and, and address 
all sorts of things in their lives. And I'm a big advocate for it now. And especially, you know, they did get in my home and install this charger. I can see why Tesla is doing this battery for your house that stores power in the off peak hours and, and drips it back into your house so that you don't pay as much in electric bills. They're, you know, they're already in your house installing this stuff. You know, he's kind of getting a foothold on your home and that's why he has the solar panels and all those things. There is a bull case for Tesla from here, even though the valuations are crazy. Um, but anyways, I don't want to get too far off topic. I love their cars as well. I'm a big advocate for them. They're less expensive than the Taycan. You know, again, this car, you know, my cheapest model Taycan starts at hundred grand. Most of them are going to be 125 that you're going to see driving around. Whereas like a model S can be even cheaper than that. And the model three is certainly way less expensive, like half the price. So, you know, they're great cars, a little bit more affordable. And I think you're going to see more and more electric offerings in the coming years from your favorite brands. So I'd really recommend you guys pay attention to it. And if you haven't made the jump yet, maybe go test drive an electric car, go see what you think. Cause I think you're going to like it more than you project when you finally make that jump and get one. I've been unbelievably impressed with my experience and I highly recommend it to anyone who asks. So anyways, that's a bit about the Taycan. I've loved my experience in owning it. Like every Porsche that I've had, it's been really, really cool and just a great experience to have. And I've been blown away by the electric factor of this. For being their first car, it's not that glitchy. It has a couple of glitches in the infotainment system, in particular like Bluetooth lag on cell phone and stuff like that, but nothing too crazy. And again, software patches will probably fix a lot of that. And overall, the car has been bulletproof. You know, I haven't had any problems um, with the car itself or the electric motor train, which is really impressive because this is the first time they ever did an all electric car in the Porsche lineup. So I'm pretty impressed and I would highly recommend it to anyone who's considering it. So anyways, that's the talking toys. Merry Christmas, y'all. I hope you guys have a happy holiday season. Uh, if you do or don't celebrate Christmas, nonetheless, I hope you get to enjoy some time with the family and you get to enjoy some time with friends and just relax. You know, you guys work hard all year round. You're really driven. If you're listening to this podcast, successful people take some time for some R and R, you know, relax and enjoy yourself tomorrow. Uh, take some time with family, take some time to be grateful and, and enjoy the end of 2020. This has been a hell of a year for all of us. And I'm going to be glad to have it in the history books. And uh, I want, just want to wish all you guys a happy holiday season. I hope it's a, a brilliant one for you guys. And that uh, tomorrow is filled with celebration and some great memories and, and some laughing and some love. So anyways, I really appreciate the support. Thanks for listening to me. You can always reach me on the Blackwood show at gmail.com or on my Instagram at the Blackwood show. And I know there's a bunch of great ways to entertain yourself, not the least of which are a bunch of great podcasts. So thank you for taking the time to listen to little old me. Talk at you soon.